Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome, Power Partners, to our informational playground. It's Star Style, be the star you are, coming to you live under the species of Be the Star You Are charity from the Voice America Network. We are your hosts. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we want to create and support space for you to have some positive, meaningful conversations around the dinner table. And we want you not to wait for things to happen, but create them yourself. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. Please uh, take a look at the website, get involved, and make a donation at bethestarur.org. And this is a really, really old quote, which is our miracle moment. It's from (laughs) Claudius. Well, listen how old this is. This is from Claudius Ptolemy, and he was around in 90 A.D. So we're talking about just a few years, you know, after the birth of Christ. So 2,000-plus years ago. So this is what he had to say. Mortal as I am... I know I was only born for one day, and when I see the stars circling in their orbits, my feet no longer touch the ground. <laughs> I don't know. I needed that. It's, it's just sort of an uplifting quote because I think for both of us, it's been a really challenging yeah. week, uh, lots of work, exhaustion, all of that kind of stuff, and so I needed something that made my feet no longer touch the ground instead of feeling like I am very, very mortal and just in the midst of it all. How about you? I concur. 
<laughs> well, let's tell everyone what our show's about today. So it should be a really great show. Uh, we're going to be talking about boomer grannies. And, uh, you know, when we think of the word grandma or grandpa, you kind of think old and gray. But uh, we're going to give it a reboot. I'm going to just talk about some other ways that people are looking at aging and how we can age a little more gracefully. So that's kind of fun. And then we're going to also talk about the economics of positive thinking and how literally if you do think more positive, you are uh, going to have better financial situations. So Heather, you and I, since we're so positive, we should be multimillionaires very soon. And then coming up here right now in Health Matters, Heather's going to talk to us about over-the-counter cold medications because this is the time of year where people are sniffling and they have stuffy noses and scratchy throats. But sometimes those over-the-counter medications might be doing more harm than good. And I think we get confused when we think over-the-counter means that they're safe. They're not always. So we need your expertise because I know I get confused, Heather, whether it's um, ibuprofen or the acid, I don't even know how to say that word, but, you know, aspirin. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what all the difference is. And, I mean, decongestant. <laughs> yeah, well, seeing that, I was at the doctor today for not a feeling sick thing, but when I was sitting in the waiting room, there was someone, and I was just in there for, you know, just random kind of visit just to go over stuff with the doctor. And there was, of course, tons of people sick and coughing in there. And, of course, now I'm probably just being a dermaphobe. But I had I took an emergency when I got home, and I think I'm just run down and tired from the week. But I'm already starting to feel like, oh my goodness, I'm I oh I I I bet I caught something. I bet I got something from them. Those are just breeding grounds. But that kind of leads you to is a lot of times people think you know, um, you know, it's not severe enough for to go on, you know, to get a prescription medication, um, or you know, oh, I just I'll take this something just easy over the counter. And um, a lot of times we're just so used to reading the uh, directions, you know, take one, take two, um, or sometimes we don't even read the directions. The main things are the warning labels. Um, a big kind of overall, I wanted to say, is taking away from all... Um, uh, but before uh, you just talk about warning labels, how do you even read them? They're, they're written so small that even if you have excellent eyesight, you still need to need, you need a magnifying glass. <laughs> well, I the big thing is people don't really, you know, a, a lot of times are, uh, the main thing, and this goes for prescription drugs too, um, uh, just the good things how it says, you know, oh, you know, don't exceed more, you know, m more than two in 24 hours or take uh, on a full stomach or don't, you know, take, duh, do not take with food or take at bedtime. A lot of times we kind of just create, and I know I do that with certain things, um, but because uh, we kind of feel like we know our body, but those warning labels are there for a reason, and certain things um, react differently if you've taken um, uh, citrus things. So, uh, for example, one of the main things that's on it is that uh, pretty much all the take oh for all these things, um, acetaminophen, um, ibuprofen, um, decongestants, antihistamines, all these main things is not to take mixed with alcohol. And you see these on there that it says, you know, possible liver, liver damage. Um, you're not going to instantly have liver damage, but over time it could add up. And that's why um, a lot of times doctors, if you've been on a medication for a while, um, every few months or at least once a year, they will do a liver panel to check to make sure um, 
that nothing, that there has been no damage due to this because you're taking this drug into your system. As you know, your liver, you know, it, it filters out things. It filters out the Heather, when you say, uh, you know, it won't do damage immediately, but over time, what is what does it mean over time? Is that months? Is that years? It, or could it be faster? Um, well, you know, honestly, uh, I would say in the short term, you might feel, uh, nauseated or, and that's, uh, some, some medications, if you try to take without alcohol, if you have alcohol while you're on taking certain medications, you can get sick, you know, because your body's rejecting it, because that's a lot, it's sort of like mixing different poisons with it. Medicine is to help us, but at the same time, it basically is a toxin into our bodies. Um, so, and as it's alcohol, is a toxin to begin with. Um, so, I mean, the, the short-term thing of something instantly could be, you know, upset stomach. But over time, thing, you know, if you took, um, a lot of times people take an aspirin, a baby aspirin day or something, so, you know, because they've heard um, for heart attacks, or you might be someone who gets, has, you know, chronic uh, back pain because you're lifting a lot, so maybe you've taken a leave, um, you know, just one of those a day. But by taking something every single day, um, over time, that can potentially cause liver damage when you're, you're on things for a long amount of time. That's why um, there are these warning labels that they really say, you know, it, even these over-the-counters to consult a doctor, usually if something persists, so things are prescribed or things are available, a medicine is, you know, to take for when you're cold, but a lot of times when people start taking things on a daily basis, um, you really need to limit the amount of it and probably reduce, you know, that if it, if it says, you know, for pain to take three a day, maybe you should, if you're taking it daily, maybe just take one a day. So the first thing is acetaminophen. Um, what basically, you know, with that, that's these things such as Tylenol. Um, and basically, you know, people take it for, you know, pain. Um, you know, you take it if you've got a fever, a headache, all this kinds of stuff. Um, but what happens is that people a lot of times, uh, they'll combine it with other medications. So you might be taking, you know, if I'm sick home, I think I have the flu or cold. So maybe I took um, a little cup or, or, you know, a little spoonful of uh, throat medicine. And then I also took a Tylenol because I have a fever in my head. And I took a decongestant because I'm coughing and a sneezing. All of that. Um, also, too, that could cause a high toxicity. That you're that's having more than the three thousand, four thousand milligrams prescribed, um, or you know they say in a daily amount. And be cautious of that too. Um, really, le- reading your labels. I know a lot of these things are a mouthful. They're really hard just to say. Is acetaminophen another word for it? Tylenol, you know? <laughs> or you'll see, um, you know, the generic brand. Is there another word for aspirin, or is it just aspirin? Uh, well, aspirin, aspirin, um, aspirin, I believe, um, would be considered an acetaminophen as well, um, because Tylenol is fine. Same with ibuprofen. Um, ibuprofen, um, such as Advil, uh, Motrin, um, they're basically, um, what they are is they're non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs. You know, sometimes you'll see things that say, um, NACID. N S A I D, um, and basically they re- relieve you know body aches, uh, headaches, fevers. So basically, you know, an aspirin that would be or acetaminophen is um, what people take for like arthritis. Um, but what again of the time is people you can actually develop allergic reactions to these, and this can actually cause um, over time ulcers. That this is you know it's it's you're that taking something into good. your body, and it, so it could be it could be over time wearing down. The acidic with um, the acidics in your stomach and the lining in your in um, in your oh my goodness why in, my, in your intestines 
um, over time they can wear down because of these medications. And that's why I noticed a lot of medications sometimes say uh, do not drink with grapefruit juice or citrus um, because that's a higher dose. Um, also, sometimes certain many if you take things um, with uh, certain, sometimes I've seen it with dairy or other, uh, you know, if, if you if you take um, if you ha- take it on a full stomach um, or you take it without, that by having other things in your stomach, sometimes um, the medicine won't absorb correctly. Other times, medicines say that you know you need to take it on a full stomach because it can cause you know an upset stomach. You may get sick. Um, and then, you know, you're going to have to take something else. No one wants you to don't want to have these counteractions with things. Um, so it's really, I mean, the, the biggest one is because these things, your, your liver filters through. Your liver basically, um, you know, filters through alcohol, drugs, toxins. It, it has to go through this. So by taking these medications, though they might be a good thing, um, it's putting a lot of sort of poisonous things into it on a daily basis. And that really just goes for all medications, um, whether prescribed or not. And I think people kind of feel a lot of times that, oh, prescription drugs, that those are the heavier things. Well, as you know, a lot of non-prescription drugs are just as heavy. And, and now um, many things such as cold medicines um, that have uh, a decongestant in it um, use the acetaminophen because of this big epidemic that's happened with people making uh, crystal method um, that, uh, that now usually when you go to a CVS, a drugstore, um, not only a lot, sometimes you have to be 18, that they'll scan your ID. And what actually happens is this is a, a smart thing in a way. Um, you can things, make crystal meth out of aspirin? Um, so things that have decongestants in it. So they make crystal meth is oh, a combination. Okay. Uh, crystal meth is just a combination of a lot of household products and a lot of uh, medications such as um, decongestants, antihistamines. Um, uh, my goodness, why I'm I'm blanking out on it, but it, it'll hit me in a second. Here. But just medications that, for the most, are not um, prescription medicines that you can get these at the store, and that's they've had such issues with people stealing them, or people, um, since you don't have to go to a doctor for them, that you can sort of, um, you know, CV, you can go to various drug stores and stock up on it. And they, once they developed, they started to notice this trend. Um, they started to put these things that have these decongestants that you don't need a prescription for, but behind the counter so that um, you have to ask for it and they scan your ID and it will actually show. I remember when I'm being really sick and going to Target and needing, I got uh, like a day quill and a night quill because I needed something to make so I could survive during the day for work and something at night so I could sleep. And they scanned my ID and I thought that was so crazy and they, it actually shows how many you purchased last month and I think it's limited. So if you try to purchase more, or you'll be denied. It's sort of like someone, you know, saying, "No, you've already, you know, it kind of red flags you. Like, why, why are you buying more?" Um, so those are things that then, if you're really sick, then you need to go to a doctor or find other ways. So they've had these issues with that. So and that's kind of one thing now, you know, that kind of shows the hidden danger. I mean, it's not to say that, um, you know, because you're going to be making drugs out of it, heavier drugs out of it. Um, some things that you know are not as well regulated. Um, it kind of makes people in becoming their own doctor and not really, you know, normally when you go to a doctor, they'll explain what the medicine is going to happen. Um, or when you even go to a pharmacy and you have something as a prescription, um, they, it's, you know, it's offered to you, especially the new one, that they want to discuss with you how to take it, what, you know, what are certain potential side effects, what to avoid. 
Um, but when we just buy things ourselves, we, you know, we become our own doctors. So we, we a lot of times we're just going to keep going on our dates, just take it like a vitamin. And that can have, you know, consequences with it. Um, and it's that people, you know, you can really create a toxicity. Also, you can create, um, our bodies have these amazing things that, you know, we want medicine, but over time, if you start taking them all the time, they lose their effect and your body can actually become dependent on it. Um, I.e., for example, nasal decongestants. Um, the ones when people have really stuffed up noses that you do those little sprays. I can't, I, I can't do those. I just, oh, no, God. I don't know why I can't do them either. They make me, they make me, me, they make me choke. Women getting water up your nose. But, um, those are recommended. It says on it, um, discontinue after three days. But a lot of times people, you know, it start. it feels so good if you're fighting and breathe. If you use it beyond three days, what happens is actually your body begins to change, um, that the nasal tissues around they become dependent on that, um, so that what happens is that um, without that spray, um, your body sort of creates an inflammation. So your nose becomes needing that spray in order to, and then basically not that you know it's not a drug habit thing, but your your body's going to have a habit with these things. That that goes for a lot of things. Um, when you start taking on a daily basis, that it might be, um, you know, for a temporary thing. You, you see that a lot of times with a pain medication or sometimes with a diuretic, something that might be for um, if you experience diarrhea or if you're experiencing constipation. Um, if When people start taking that on a continuous use, what can happen eventually over time is that your body can become more dependent on it, um, just as, you know, with, with all things. So it's sort of a... Um, almost not like not a not true a drug dependency, but, but your body kind of creates a dependency that you're unaware of. If you if you're trying to figure out oh, why am I always you know have these runny noses or why am I always feeling like this? It could you know I'm doing I'm taking this thing every day, and you notice when off it. You know sometimes you have to wean your body off of it and move to something else um, because it's built up these things. And another thing too is combination medicines. Um, you know for um, Combination medicine, so that would be, you know, a decongestant that has acetaminophen. I mean, a lot of times, if you're someone, I don't want to be taking, when I'm sick, so many different pills and drinks and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes, you, you know, we're looking for that Theraflu, um, you know, uh, Dayquil, you know, severe cold and flu medicine, that stuff, the non-drowsy stuff that has all that stuff all mixed into one that we feel like, wow, it's a miracle um, pill or because it has everything all in one. Um, with that, if, um, the side effects can be, you know, irregular heartbeat, um, high blood pressure, tremors, and that's you know, when you're taking these things consistently or, or taking too many of them at, at a time. Um, always, you know, go on the cause of, of um, safety, you know, of moderation with everything. Use um, By using a single ingredient, and sometimes there's a better way to go than taking all of these or really noticing. Yeah, I've read, I've read that these ones, that have so many things in them really are not good for you. I mean, it's because you don't need everything. You should just yeah, and you should just exactly. get attack what you need and don't uh, don't you know like double up like that because you might actually be lowering your immune system. Exactly. And, you know, I think a lot of times we think, wow, this has all these other things in it, and a lot of times we really don't need those other things. Um, you know, if your body, so it's sort of like you know that why they say. Um, antibiotics that, you know, you really should only take them as a last resort because over time your body builds up antibodies to the antibody. And that's why you hear of these big superbugs now um, that, uh, you know, simple things, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm things that are escaping, like flu, like super, superbug flu, things that they can't 
uh, create um, an antibody to it because we've taken medicine. I mean, I know from working in medical before, we'd have to tell people that would not take their medicine correctly, and they had to take it um, because it was for a bacterial infection, so they come back to get another dose, so they're taking more and more and more. Um, and, you know, we needed to care the thing, but unfortunately it becomes really tricky because over time um, we're having to develop stronger uh, medications and maybe not even finding it. As we know, you don't it, you don't want more and more heavier medications. Um, I think of with with chemotherapy of what chemo is basically is basically radi just basically toxicing your entire body. So it's getting rid of the bad, but it's getting rid of all the good cells too. It's completely wiping you out. So. That's what times these antibodies, you know, when you're sick, your body's fighting against it. The biggest thing always, and I know we live in this go-go world, is hydration and rest. Um, so many times how it, why we get to these places is that we're not resting. We're not getting enough sleep. I know for me that's my biggest thing is I always have so many things going. I don't have time to take a nap. I need to keep go-go going. And by the end of it, your body really is. Ditto right here. Down. I think that's. I think it's true. And when you do take the time... To rest, you actually do heal and feel better. Completely. And so, you know, the overall thing is just kind of taking those precautions of, you know, always staying hydrated. Of Our body is made up of more water than it is blood. So continuously staying hydrated. And a lot of times that's why we feel fatigued. We have headaches or we think we're hungry. It's really because we're dehydrated. Our body needs these fluids. Um, and also when we're dehydrated, that's when we get kind of cuckoo in the brain and we, a lot of negative things can have a body function start, you know, uh, certain organs kind of start shutting down and not functioning properly. Everything's like a well, your body is like, you know, a well-oiled machine. It needs all that nutrition, that hydration. Um, so when it comes to taking things, read your labels first. If you're confused about it, you can, if you're getting them at um, a place that has a pharmacy, such as CVS or one, if you have uh, questions, a lot of times there, you know, things have different names purely based on um, if it's a generic or the name brand. If you're confused about what to take, ask someone at the pharmacy. It's a free thing to ask, hey, if I've been feeling this and this. And, and two, a lot of times people mistakenly take, um, if they have a virus, they'll, they'll take um, an antibiotic or something that's not going to uh, have any effect on it. For example, the flu is a virus, not a bacterial infection. And a lot of times people think to take, um, if they have leftover um, uh, antibiotics from something, um, that's not going to do anything. In fact, that's just going to work against you and that it's, you're going to be building up more antibodies for medicine, meaning your body's going to be rejecting it next time you do come into contact with a bacterial infection. So read, la- read labels um, and be cautious of what you're you know, eating and drinking, especially alcohol is the main thing, that alcohol, the combination of taking these medicines and um, taking alcohol um, is that it can really affect and cause liver, liver damage over time. Again, one time isn't going to hurt, but a lot of times, you know, we take medicine on a weekly basis or, you know, when you have a headache, a lot of times people, you know, take it after they've, uh, when they're feeling hungover, when they're feeling that dehydration. Um, so just really being cautious of that because that could have long-term effects on you that could be completely um, counter-reactive and really worse than anything you've ever had before. So read labels, talk with your doctor next time. There's nothing, you know, if you're just taking these things, they're just for your own health. Um, Green labels, and then just trying to have a, a healthy and safe lifestyle uh, leading up to it, and taking some maybe more um, homeopathic things, you know, orange juice, water, sleep, tea, um, herbs, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, really kind of have that full full mind thing. I'm, I'm a big fan. I definitely I I take medicines when I'm sick. I try not to. 
Um, but I think, you know, teas and herbs are always a great first start for when you have those first kind of flu bugs sticking in. Very, very good. Well, that kind of debunks the idea that everything over the counter is good for you. So we just have to be aware of what it is that we put into our system, not only with medications, but with everything, you know, just because it's a fruit or vegetable doesn't necessarily mean that it's right for what you need. And as you said, a lot of citrus uh, counteracts the efficacy of medications, and sometimes it's actually detrimental. So um, I think we have to read the labels a little bit more, which mm-hmm. sometimes is a bit hard to do. Uh, they should make them bigger. I always feel like the way they make the labels, they don't want us to read them. You know, it's sort of like it's like the computers, you know, when you're uploading something new and it says you have to agree to this and the writing is 20 pages long and, and it's, you know, so small, you just go, well, they, okay. I feel like, you know, they put it all there because legally they have to. And exactly. You no, know, people aren't going to read all the fine print. So when you come to say, hey, this caused this, and they say, well, you signed this, and this, it's here right on the bottle, then, you know, you're kind of, it's to cover their ground. But really to cover yourself, take that extra minute to read it. Exactly. Well, great segment, Heather. Give out the website. Most definitely. We want you to go to BeTheStarYouAre.com as well as BeTheStarYouAre.org. And when we come back from break, we are going to talk about age and being a boomer granny and how you can just age in style. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you're listening to Star Style, Be The Star You Are. We'll be right back. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. Be the star you are, light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you
Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a light that shines. Thank you for staying right here on Star Style. Be the star you are, coming to you live on the Voice America Network. Well, every day we are getting older. I mean, which is a good thing because, you know, the alternative is that we're not getting older. And this last week has been one of those really exhausting weeks for me as I was moving offices and actually going through 26 years of Star Style Productions and 16 years of Be the Star You Are. But with Star Style Productions over those 26 years, I've coached close to 4,000 people and I have literally um, thousands of scripts and and I was going through things and I was saw well the ones that I saw are you know many of them are major motion pictures and some of them have won Oscars but I wanted to tell Heather in segment one I came across Forrest Gump which was the Paramount Pictures it was uh, cast in or the auditions were in May of 1993 the director was Robert Zemecki and Heather auditioned for the part of a Jenny as a little girl and it was really really fun she got very close in she was one of the runner-ups in it and uh, you know that starred Tom Hanks and she just had an amazing time, but coming across the script and realizing how many years ago that was, 1993. And this has been happening over and over again all week long because I dare not throw out anything without reading it. So it's taking me a very, a very long time. But talk about bringing memories, you know, back and, and positive memories. Well, you know, when we think about aging, everybody always says, "When I think once you hit 30, then you don't really want to get older anymore. When you're a little kid, you can't wait to be a teenager. And when you're a teenager, you can't wait to be 21. And then when you're 21, you probably can't wait to be 25. And, and then all of a sudden, we stop talking about our age. But in the last few years, especially in ads on TV and in magazines, you've been seeing things like, you know, 50 is the new 30, and 60 is the new 40. And you know, I don't know. I, I think that 50 is 50 and 60 is 60. But what's happened is that the times have changed, and people are redefining what it means to be 30, 40, 50, 60. And people look better today because of health, because of technology, because they're exercising more, um, possibly because they're more aware of their bodies, fashions change. I know I look at pictures and of people who, you know, if when they were 40, they looked like they were 80. But also, at the turn of the 20th century in the 1900s, the average lifespan was only 40. So it's really not about aging. It's more about how we live. So to disrupt our aging, we just need to own where we are at all times, and we need to get to the point where we're no longer defined by all those old expectations of what we, you know, I hate the word should and could do, but, you know, what you're supposed to do at certain ages. Because nobody wants to be defined by age, just like you don't want to be defined by race or sex or income or job or whatever. 
But, you know, we really want just to be who we are. Uh, today we face different challenges. We have different goals than people uh, 20 years ago or 30 years ago. So that's why we all look different in our 30s and 40s. We're motivated by different things. We see the world through a lens shaped by the ups and downs of life and the wisdom that's gained from those experiences. And I think if you ask many people, especially those who are in, you know, who are maybe 50 or older, they may say they'd love to have their 20 or 30-year-old bodies, but they're very happy where they are now, mostly because of the wonderful experiences and the wisdom that they've gained through the years. So we need to look forward and not look backward. You know, they always say, don't look in that rearview mirror. We can't go back anyway. So it's just better to be energized by our family, our work, and where we are in life, be leaders in our community, supporters of charities, uh, offer to volunteer, help neighbors and friends. This generation of people, we are movers and shakers. We are doers. We are givers. And we need just to have a desire to continue exploring all the possibilities and to celebrate the life that we have. I don't know if anybody has seen it yet, but there is a new documentary out that's called Advanced Style. And it's interesting because it's really about women who never age out of style, even if you are a hundred years old. It was written and directed by a young man who literally, he was a blogger and he borrowed his roommate's camera and he went out on the street and he started shooting pictures because he really felt that, uh, that he wanted to reconcile the fact that older women can be absolutely stunning. They can be gorgeous. They can be creative seniors and that they could be found on the runway avenues of New York City, for example, that age is beauty, and with experience comes a vivid sense of style that stems directly from that lifelong appreciation of art, fashion, and uh, very glamorous hats. He was very much, um, his name is Rialto, no, not Rialto, what is his, what is the documentary, that's where the Rialto Theater is where he, um, showed his film in San Francisco first. Oh, Seth Cohen is his name, Ari Seth Cohen. And he was always really close to his two grandmothers. They were his best friends, and they taught him everything he knew about fashion and culture and movies and art and all of this. And he always thought they had a great elegance. So this is what he did. He went out with his camera, and he started shooting pictures. So it's so interesting to see how he has designed this documentary and what unites all of his subjects. The film is not about their style, according to him. He says that it's about how they approach their life at the stage of the life that they are in. They're not sitting in rocking chairs. They're not waiting to die. They're going out. They're having new careers. And they're vital. They are just energized. And if, if you go and you see Advanced Style you're going to just find some of the most far out things, crazy sunglasses, crazy hats, crazy outfits, crazy hair. And I know I always used to love the poem, when I get older, I'm going to wear purple and I'm going to eat more ice cream. And it's basically, this is how his subjects 
live. They're just not afraid to be who they are in the moment and be as outrageous as possible. And that's my goal. Not so much maybe to be outrageous, but to always be who I am. Because, you know, we have three rules at Star Style and be the star you are. It's smile, have fun, and be wild and crazy. So it was always, it's always, always been about going out on that limb and making the most of everything and, you know, taking risks because if you don't take any risks, you can never have any joy because you're never going to accomplish anything. So what's happening, especially with grandmas today? Boomer women are really defining the role of what it means to be a grandmother. A lot of them aren't calling themselves a grandma either anymore. Usually, um, if you think of the word grandmother, you kind of see kind of um, a Betty Crocker. Is it Betty Crocker or is it Pillsbury? You think of a kind of a rotund woman with white hair sitting in her rocking chair. I think of Mrs. Santa Claus when I hear think of that word. I'm not a grandmother, so uh, I can't really be compared to one, but so many of my friends are now. But if you have ever seen Jane Seymour in any of her movies, she's absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. She's an actress, a designer, an artist, an author, and she is a grandmother. Uh, she's called Oma. She has four young grandchildren, and uh, she lives in England. And her favorite days are when they come over because she wants to share with them. She wants to give who she was, and they they play and she wants to share with people that it's a whole new form of grandparent thanks to the boomer generation. That 76 million strong are now defined as boomers. And they have touched everything from childhood and adolescence to careerism and parenting. And now they're grandparents. So boomer women in particular, of course, there's a lot of boomer men. I want to talk about the women because those are the ones that usually we think about, you know, going to the rocking chair because the men are out working, but it's not, that's not what it is anymore. They came of age in a very interesting age. It was during the feminist movement. It was literally the late sixties and the seventies. It was the days of hippies and Woodstock and free love and music and a lot of drugs and all of those things. So, a lot of these women have tended to shrug off the traditional roles. They, they're they opting instead to have it all. They want to balance their jobs, their hobbies. They wanted to be super moms. Uh, they wanted to have a parenting style that was different. And they weren't, most of them were not full-time moms like they had had. Like, you know, my mom was a full-time mom, which was great to have her around. But in this day and age, you're not going to find too many women that have, or too many, I shouldn't just limit it to a woman, but in a family, you don't find too often that you can have one person that stays home full time. So with that being said, it's no surprise that their children, as their kids have kids, these new grandmothers, they are redefining the role for themselves that differ dramatically from you know, the nannies and the nanas and the nanas and the bubas and the abuelas of yesterday, or the amas, you know, all the different names that we have for grandmas. So but these women, they're not into the wrinkles and the rocking chairs. Today's grandma is more likely to practice yoga. 
they probably are doing something with their hair to have beautiful highlights or like these women in the film, they're having purple and pink and blue hair. I mean, they're just being a little more creative. Uh, my One of my mother's best friends from high school, who is now in her 80s, and she is just a spitfire woman, she has a streak of purple in her hair right at the front. And it's so adorable on her, and she just she loves it because she says that's what keeps her young. So I think that's kind of a cool thing. Um, boomers have made a concerted effort to narrow the generation gap between themselves and their kids. And that same impulse is really evident when they talk about the experiences of having grandchildren because their engagement with their grandchildren is much more intense than perhaps in past generations because what happens is they really they're still young enough and they're playful that they really want to be part of the grandkids life they want to share things with their grandkids they want to have discussions um i i don't think i mean i loved my grandparents and you know they came from switzerland and italy but she didn't really have sit down conversations you know you with one set of my grandparents, I mean, we'd, we ha- I was much better. We, we'd ride horses and, you know, go pick blackberries. And they lived on ranches and they made wine and all that kind of stuff. And that was fun. But so you don't usually have, you know, that much of an interaction. Some grandmothers are, or grandparents are rather remote. And they might have spent all their time cooking or cleaning or taking care of others. Um, what grandparents today seem to do is they're sitting on the floor, they're playing with the kids, they're telling their stories about being kids, they are going out kayaking, you know, they're hiking, they're playing tennis. I have a a girlfriend in LA who has a a grandchild and every single Tuesday they have these special play dates and they go to museums and they go to concerts and, you know, they do these really intellectual things things that really have a lot of vitality. I'm sure I'll be taking, when I have grandkids, we'll be going to botanical gardens and, you know, going to do animals, probably a safari or something like that. Also, thanks to the advancements, as I said, at the top of the segment in health and safety, women have added about 25 years to their life expectancy over this last century because a woman today can expect to live to at least 81, resulting in an ever-expanding middle age. And that means that uh, boomer grandmothers feel a lot younger. They feel healthier. They feel more active than in their past. And so that gives them this apparent engagement with their grandchildren. It's kind of the way kids used to describe the fun they'd have with a really, really cool aunt. So grandparents today tend to be pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, kind of the weird, you know, grandparents can be weird, they can be humorous, but more than anything, they're fun. And so kid, grandkids really want to spend time with them. And everybody that I see of my friends or family who are grandparents already, and some of them were really were grandparents like really early because they had their children early. So, you know, they were grandparents before they were, I don't know, 39 or something. That's pretty young. Is the, the grandkids are the ones that just can't wait to be with them. 
Uh, and especially the women, they just have so much confidence and so much independence that it is almost unimaginable how exciting the life is as a grandparent. And I think what's interesting is I, people are always saying to me, oh, just wait till you have grandkids. It's just the greatest thing ever. Well, it used to be wait till you have grandkids because you could send them home, you know, and then the parents take care of them. But today, it, it's the grandparents really want to be around them. Now, there was a 2010 census that estimated 53% of grandparents today are working uh, age boomers. Now, the downside of the prolonged careers, of course, is that many boomer grandmothers continue to struggle with the same work-life balance that their daughters do, and maybe that they did too. And, um, you know, some suddenly you have to disappear with your laptop to take care of some business, and probably that used to happen when you had your own children because you, you know, you're always sort of juggling. And sometimes that's still what's happening today. Some high-powered career women, though, see having grandkids as a kind of do-over. It's a chance to make up for the quality time they might have missed out on with their own kids. And I know several uh, television and, and film people who have said this to me is that because of their schedules and a lot of traveling, you know, they couldn't be there that much for their kids. They had nannies and they had au pairs and all of that. And so they weren't there, but now with their grandkids, they can be much more hands on and they feel a almost Zen like uh, quality when they're with them. And then they, they can do things with their grandkids that perhaps they never could do for their son or daughter. So that is always a positive thing. And there are a lot of single parents today. So having a really cool grandparent around who wants to do something uh, with the grandkids and who could fill that cultural gap and, and uh, you know, teach them about what it is to age gracefully uh, is a real plus. So that's changing. Today's grandparents at a glance 43% travel more than 200 miles to see a grandchild. That's a lot. $57 billion is how much grandparents spent on their grandchildren in a year. 62% of grandparents are still working. And 47 is the average age of a first-time grandparent. That seems so young to me, but it's, you know, and it is young, but 47 is the average nationwide and this is interesting. For college expenses and educational expenses, 53% help with educational expenses. Now, technology has been a great boom for grandparents because geography is another wild card that really can affect the dynamics. But today, in our very global and mobile age, families, they're moving frequently, and they might be scattered all over the country. But we have Skype. We have FaceTime, and you can check in with your grandkids just to find out how their day went, and you can see them. You can text one another. You can go on Facebook. You can do Instagram. Of course, there's email, and uh, airplane travel is, I don't want to say it's easier today. I think it's more uncomfortable today, but it's more it's it's more ubiquitous. You, uh, airlines go to more places, so you can get there. 
So it's just been, it's a little less complicated to be a grandparent, especially if you live far away. So we do care about our planet. We care about our kids. And the compensation for growing older is that if you do have grandchildren, you get to watch them and you get to watch their changes and you get to help, help them live a legacy and to know that it is a revolving world that we live in. And hopefully you can give grandma or grandpa a great name. So if you are going to be a grandparent, what are you going to be called? So that's that's the new one. Most people aren't don't want to be grandma anymore. What moniker is it going to be? Think about it. Well, when we come back from break, we're going to talk about positive thinking and how that has an economic power. I am Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be right back. Be the star you are. The star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. If you wanted to make your business grow, you might want to use some of these tips. Brand and create brand awareness. Partner with compatible companies. Assemble a team of the absolute best pros. Motivate and inspire employees. Do what you are and do best suited for, and then hire somebody else to do the rest. Establish your uniqueness. Focus. I'm going to say that three times. Focus, focus, focus. Expand with a strategy. Exploit and explore the needs in the marketplace that can evolve new products. And finally, persevere, persevere, persevere. Rome was not built in a day. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, you can call 925-377-STAR or visit starstyleproductions.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are, you are. your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program star style be the star you are hosted by the passion purpose and possibility producer cynthia bryan now back to the power party find all you need in a light that shines well we are still here together i am cynthia bryan and you're listening to star style be the star you are Brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. I found an interesting article in the Bloomberg magazine, and it was called The Economic Power of Positive Thinking. And basically what it was saying is even if our pessimism were grounded in reality, studies suggest it's better for the economy if we pretended to be optimistic. Now, optimism appears to be in short supply this year. 
And even despite strong economic growth and a falling unemployment rate, gloom about the country's long-term prospects remain pervasive. Now, hopes for the next generation are particularly fragile. A poll by Heart Research Associates and the Public Opinion Strategies suggests that 76% of Americans are not confident that life for their children will be better than it's been for them. Now, that's an increase from 42% in December 2001. That's a big increase. Now, Europeans are as pessimistic. A 2014 Pew Research poll of global attitudes found that in 10 North American and European countries, 65% of respondents said today's children will be worse off financially than their parents. And so many people have uh, memories of the Great Recession, and that's still fresh. So pessimism is somewhat understandable. But it's also largely ill-founded. And according to economic research, attitude can be self-fulfilling. So even if our pessimism were grounded, you know, it's better that we are optimistic. People in rich countries do have some legitimate reasons to worry because the medium household income in the U.S. is pretty much at the same level as it was in 1989. That's kind of disappointing. That's a long time ago. And the last few years have been very grim across Europe, as we know. But it would be myopic to base expectations from the ne- about the next generation on just the last five years of this tepid recovery from our enormous economic meltdown. So the idea that a whole generation will reach their parents' age and be stuck with these low incomes, lower than when they were starting out, that may not be true. So looking beyond income, there's enough progress over the last generation to be optimistic about the next one. The violent crime rate is a quarter of the level that it was in the early 1990s. Over the past three decades, life expectancy in rich countries around the world has climbed by six years. So that's important. U.S. teens are less likely than previous generations to get pregnant, to get drunk, or to get high. And they're going to end up being the most educated American generation ever. And more and more countries worldwide are democracies, which very rarely go to war with each other, suggesting the possibility that we might even have peace one of these days. So that's one reason the number of war deaths worldwide, the number of nuclear nuclear warheads, and the risk of global uh, nuclear war are a fraction of what their levels were just three decades ago. So that's a lot of good news out there if we care to look at it. So we really do need to think positive. Of course, banking instability, there's political turmoil, there's corruption, there's pollution, and there's crises. It could slow the growth in China and India and the rest of the developing world. But just as Western pessimism is excessive, perhaps the developing world is too optimistic because research is showing that over-optimism is considerably better characteristics to possess than to be negative. So we really should probably start changing our attitude, have an attitude adjustment, because when optimistic people from all the research, they work harder, they get paid more, they get elected to office more often, they win more at sports, and they live longer. So the effect of optimism it spills over into the business decisions. 
So let's start looking up and find that optimistic people are living longer and happier and have more money. So there is strong evidence that economic performance, encouraging risk and experimentation and hard work are all part of being optimistic. And it is going to be particularly important for our kids to have a positive outlook on life matters because they're the ones that are going to inherit this earth. So let's not be unhappy. Let's be happy. And let's look at optimism in the economy. Now, on a different note, we all know that exercise, eating right, and not smoking are good for our health, our heart health. But it has long been known that volunteering is a feel-good quality, and it's actually really good for your heart. It turns out that volunteering for a charity is a physical benefit. Canadian researchers followed 106 uh, high school students who volunteered for 10 weeks, and they discovered their cholesterol, their BMI, and their inflammation dropped after their opportunity for service compared to a group of their peers who didn't get the chance to give back. So, you know, according... uh, to the author of the study, which was in Everyday Health, heart benefits are most likely tied to mental and emotional benefits from volunteering. The volunteers who reported the greatest increases in empathy, in altruistic behavior, and in mental health were the ones who also saw the greatest improvements in their cardiovascular health. So this being the heart month and the month of love, Let's uh, take some heart-healthy tips and let's volunteer. Let's give back. Let's make a difference. Some other things to do is keep a pet, laugh often, be optimistic, get your sleep, get some hugs and give hugs every day, and don't sit too much. Stand as much as you can and get a little movement. Well, thanks for being great listeners and allowing Heather and I into your life every week. We are your personal growth success coaches, and we love helping you change your life and making your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style, visit StarStyleProductions.com, or you can call the studio 925-377-STAR. Make a donation to Be The Star You Are nonprofit. This is the year to do it. We're launching a lot of programs. You can go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Everything is tax deductible as we are a 501c3. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate, cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate today at every moment of your life, and pick up a book. A book is like a garden in your pocket. Until next week, when we celebrate once again, remember love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. And if you are in the La Mirinda area this weekend, Please visit the Moraga Farmer's Market from 9 to 1 p.m. as the Be The Star You Are Orchestra will be performing under the direction of Director of Concerts, Andrew Wang. It should be a great time for all. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference, and I wish you... All safety and happiness. Until we play next week, be the star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star.
It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.